When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yes, this is episode 25 of Orange and Backcheck. Still waiting on the magical sport of hockey to return. But in the meantime, my partner and I, Scott Weinhardt, will continue to twiddle our thumbs and in anticipation. Scott, how's it going, man? It's going good this week, man. Actually, it's uh, don't mind the little noise in the back room. We've got we're recording much, much earlier today than we normally do. So yes. there are kids in one room that are awake and making noise. There is a washer and dryer that's going to chime in three minutes. So you'll hear the nice, pleasant chime of LG that I constantly hear. Um, other than that, everything's good. Uh, the uh, Orange and back check flashback will be done in the next day or two for game one of the 97 final. We yes. Discuss that on next week's show. Um, I showed Bill this morning exactly what we're doing, and uh, I think people are going to get a little enjoyment out of it because I think there's some misconceptions that went down with that series, and I think this is going to help people understand that it wasn't goaltending really that killed them in that series. No, yeah, I, I think Hextall gets a bad rep for what happened there, and Snow, and obviously. Garcia, absolutely, yep. Um, it's just one of those things that, like, and we'll dive into this because in case you lived under a rock, uh, the NFL draft was this weekend, and Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Eagles, did something that I think we can easily compare into hockey. I think there's a great comparison that, I, that we can make. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit, but the news of hockey was not as heavy, but it was a little bit of hope in what Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, wants to do in terms of uh, post-COVID-19 quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to cause it, pause. Um, he wants to he, – he's still pushing for a resume of the regular season uh, and then the playoffs throughout July, August, and I think a little bit in September. I forget what the where we would land on in terms of when we would award award the Stanley Cup but his general consensus is this is a plan of we'll do three or four NHL cities that have broken the plane of the curve on COVID-19 and you would have as many as three to four games a day uh, leading up to the final of the regular season and then you'd go into the playoffs I have my own theories of this um I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking, and I think Gary Bettman does accept that because it's just like everything's on the table. So, Scott, with this plan of three to four NHL cities, because that's what they're focusing on. They're not looking at neutral sites anymore, which I think is the right thing to do, especially with uh, multiple games a day. You need to have these teams safely quarantined from each other for the time being. So what, where, where are your thoughts? What are you thinking? I think it, that the NHL is going to do whatever it can do to get back, mainly because – they have more opportunity here to be able to finagle everything and have more flexibility. Look, with the TV time available from the Olympics, that's not going to be happening this year. Or not, yeah, the the whole idea is that now we'll be able to 
have a possibility of, yes, it might just be four team or four arenas with three games going a day, but then you have to factor in practice time. You have to factor in the fact you're going to need to clean the locker rooms afterwards and sanitize them completely. They need the broadcast facilities. I think the NHL is going to take every aspect possible to make sure that this happens because if it doesn't happen just this season, it's also going to affect next season if they don't play. I think yeah. because – I think when you're looking at the larger terms, as we've talked about before, you're talking about the CBA, the guys who are on expiring contracts, the cap issues. There, there's a lot of incentive to have this season finalized out somehow. Get that missing revenue from the playoffs. Again, it doesn't tie into the cap number. It doesn't. It's just basically it's free money for the teams and the league. But the idea, though, is that it's also a great opportunity. I, I think the league really also sees this as a great opportunity because people are so starved for sports. They'll watch anything. I mean, yeah, I'm waiting how- for those. The what the the uh, ratings are going to be for the NFL draft. They're going to be absurd. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. And it was done in everybody's basement. And the thing is, now I think they probably are going to realize, too, that they don't need to have a grandstand thing in in radio city music hall like they don't need to do that they can just do it digitally if they need to and then that's going to be the future of the draft i think it's very possible um you know i I do think that they're going to come back john scott uh former nhl player posted out a tweet yesterday he said he just got word to nhl camps will be getting a random on joe there's that chime i was talking about can you hear that i have the exact same chime we have a lg dishwasher that's that's what it is yep (laughs) we have the lg stackable ones it's right there right outside my office the other one will go off in 11 minutes but anyway um the idea is that john scott put out a tweet yesterday that he just got word that the NHL camps will be begin again around june 1st and european players are coming back soon so to me that says okay the league is targeting a return somewhere in july because they're saying three weeks for training camp everybody's going to get back into shape the question is how they're going to go about it. I, yeah. I don't think they're just going to throw it away unless something happens with this whole thing where some states are being irresponsible and probably opening up a little too soon. Granted, we've been in quarantine pretty much for a month. Yep. The idea is, though, is that if they open up too soon, it's going to spike again. They're already talking about a second spike during the winter. Unless something like that drastic happens, I do believe that by July we'll have hockey back again. Yeah, I like – I'm getting more optimistic than I was three episodes ago, but I'm still – I think what I'm at the point of, and we talked about it last week with this idea of a 24-team playoff, which is really interesting because they would – that would include the fringe playoff teams at the time when the NHL went on pause – um, and then we had the crazy idea, which like, why not is the, the direct, the playoff of the lottery teams, because what's the incentive of them coming back for three weeks of training camp to finish off 13 games, 12 games, whatever it is. And then they're done looking at this, looking at this plan of what Gary Bettman is doing. And I, at the end of the day, what he's factoring in is revenue. He wants the TV revenue for all 31 NHL teams to be able to have something. And I understand that. And at that point, I'm at the point where forget the NHL regular season. Yeah. I think it's over. I, yeah, I, think- I agree. You have to do something with some sort of tournament to, or some sort of scenario to get the playoff teams or the teams that are close enough within the playoffs. I think that 10 points would be my max. If you're 10 points out, you're out. You're already out. Granted, right. you could have come back, but – things need to change we need to consolidate it i agree regular season's out you got to do something with a a quick warm-up or 
a something to get back in to the back into the playoffs to get people primed up for the playoffs because you can't just go oh let's start the playoffs because frankly then they're going to suck after that because everybody's still going to be out of shape you need a primer and some sort of games like your idea last week the idea of the these the, the uh, teams playing for the lottery instead of having the lottery have them play for you know that sort of thing yeah um Again, though, I, I think that you back something in to go into the playoffs that we teams are ready to go by the time they get into it, you know, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd like, especially with just the the theoretics of this happening, it, it sounds great on paper and you could decide, okay, let's do um, similar to what baseball's trying to do in Arizona and Florida. And you look at like the problem is what each individual state is doing, what you talked about, not just Mm -hmm. opening up, but like California, which has three NHL teams, Anaheim, San Jose and L.A. And I'm probably. Yeah, that's the three. Yeah. And it's just like their governor, Newsom, is talking about there's no good there. We're not playing football like we don't plan on having sports. Like, like these individual states might just say, we don't want to risk this. We don't want to have not just American citizens, but you also have to talk about um, the international factor, like Canadians, you, you like the safety of European NHL players and Canadian NHL players is just as important for the NHL as the American citizen uh, NHL players. So states like California, New Jersey, New York, I could easily see them saying, you know what? We don't see the risk in this. We don't see the value in this risk and just say, we don't want our, and the Rangers, the devils, the ducks and the Kings and all them playing this year. I think that's, that's a huge possibility. Well, let's take two things with that argument. Okay. First of all, there's going to be no fans in the stands regardless. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Second of all, if they're having neutral site games, they've already stated that they have to watch out for hotspot areas. So, like, Philadelphia is turning into a hotspot area. They're not going to have anything here. Like, other bigger cities like Detroit is starting to turn into a hotspot. They're not going to have anything there. You got to think of some place out towards the Midwest, maybe like St. Louis. St. Louis would probably be a good location to do something yeah, like that. Yeah, it, it seems like Nashville. Self, yeah, it seems like the self-proclaimed or the 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 – the easy notoriety of these states is the flyover country. They're looking at the flyover states uh, to get these teams in. Um, Like I just, again, at the end of the day, there are a lot of common sense people and it's just like, what's like Georgia's is the exception. It seems right now, like Georgia's governor is completely going opening up and just saying, free range on all of this and see what happens so irresponsible yeah and that's completely irresponsible at this stage and it's just like i would think and especially because people are criticizing them for what they're doing and i think a lot of states are going to look at that and say we're not going to do that and when we look at sports yes sports is important but the safety and health of every citizen because yeah you're not going to have fans there but you're still having this influx of people that were not residents. Because if you have Claude Giroux, uh, Patrick Keynes of the world flying into St. Louis and Nashville that we were talking about, you're still getting an extra body in there that could be spreading the disease. That's all we know. Not to mention, if you're going to have them on TV, you're going to have broadcast crews, you're going to have announcer crews, you're going to have the whole – you'll have a lot of people in one area for it. 
and you could easily and sorry you could easily do a broadcast on a single cam like nothing's going to i'm not going to feel the end of the world if you just do a self-set-up camera with an iphone with doc uh as the and whoever's the play-by-play guy in that city and then the 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 other camera is just following the play of action i don't need to hear pierre mcguire between the glasses I I don't think you'll need to do something that simple. I think they'll scale it down a bit. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think you'll need to be between the glass. Um, but I think you'll still need some action shots, stuff like that. Because here's the thing, too. You're going to hear a lot chirping on the ice, if <laughs> regardless of no and fans. You know what? Stand, you're going to hear that. all the chirping. I love I it. I love that idea. Yeah. I want to – like if we can if, – if we're dumbing down – not dumbing down, but if we're simplifying the broadcast. It, like obviously I went to an extreme. But still – if we're simplifying the broadcast to be as minimalist as possible in terms of people there, mic up as many players as possible. Oh, see, and I I love that because here's and why. And put it I, on I, like a cable channel so that you can hear the curses. Yeah, that's my point. Is yeah. that I, I agree with you. I don't think the NHL does itself justice by – See, I, I understand they're trying to put on a family-friendly image. I understand that. But you yeah. don't understand the amount of chirping and the amount of things that are said on a hockey rink, and they're downright hilarious. Like, yeah. if you watch some things online, like, yeah, there, there was a there, – there, there was – it was um, Drew Miller, Ryan Miller's brother. Yeah, uh, he has gray. He's had gray hair since like he was young. Like, and they, they're the guy was chirping about his hair, and then they started chirping each other about the minors on the bench. This is a couple years ago, and it. That kind of stuff is hilarious. Like the time that Claude Giroux started making the pigeon sound to JVR when he was a Maple Leaf. Like yep. that stuff is hilarious. Like or just Travis Konechny during the stadium series last year of "Eat up, bud, eat yeah. up." Yeah, like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's he, incredible. He, he, tell, he told uh, Savard to go f himself after uh, the Flyers won in Columbus like a couple months ago. Yep. Like you know that sort of thing it, to me is is hilarious. It's um. That's a great part of the game that it's not family friendly, but the NHL doesn't do itself justice enough by by showing that side of it. Look, you have NFL films, and NFL films will go ahead and do that, and then you'll have the NHL where they have some of the best trash talkers. Like I would love to hear Brad Marchand mic'd up and telling a guy off because you yeah. know what, Brad Marchand is that type of player where you're not going to out talk him and in a and out chirp him. You're just not going to do it. And I would love to watch it, and the league would get so many good ratings over that because you know why? It gives an insight that people don't normally get to see, and it's not the family friendly image. You know, sometimes look. Let's be real. The WWE has a great, great thing. They've done great things over the years, so a little stale now. But the whole thing is they focus on the word entertainment. It's in their title. Like, the whole idea of sports is entertainment. And if you got to trash talk each other, half their shows are wrestlers talking to each other. Some guys wrestle once a month, and all they do is trash talk each other. And that's the entertainment of it. If we could see that in the NHL, where there's actually real sport going on, not to say wrestling is fake, and I'm not saying that at all. Well, it is. Well, well, the storylines are, but the actual (laughs) moves and stuff aren't. The whole point is, the whole point is, is that if you were seeing that much competition and that much emotion and all that stuff coming out of these guys and the the words they say and the way they talk to each other, oh my God, man, who wouldn't eat that up? And I think it's going to unintentionally be heard because if you have empty stands, there's not, if you have no fans in the arenas, the the mics are everywhere, as far as I know, in those arenas. Yeah. So you're going to hear the those that chirping, even if they are 
not fully mic'd up. So I think that's it, right. it's an interesting concept. Well, not only that too, and here, not even not even the chirping, but even the fact that you don't realize how much communication goes yeah, on down there. Right. The goalie's running his mouth the entire time directing the play. Believe it or not, because when the play's in the corner. You're yelling different things. You're yelling if guys are on you. You're all the different things. Oh, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's such – there's a lot of communication, a lot of yakking that goes on down there. And I think that people should be be able to hear that. And that would be really cool for people to really get get in on. You know, and, and part of this too is that I really hope the league takes this as an opportunity because the TV contract is also up next season. Yeah. So the whole idea too is that if they can get some more of this stuff now, that might help them – in the next contract, because let's let's be honest, they've been with NBC since what 2005, 2006, when since the lockout. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of different big networks bidding on this. We're talking ESPN, we're talking Fox. Apparently, CBS is throwing its name in the hat to host hockey now. So, with that contract, the league is going to make so much money off of that. And the best thing about it too is that the players. The contract is going to be negotiated before the next CBA. So the players are going to know exactly what they're going with that's, within the that's next the one. Best. So we shouldn't have a lockout or a strike or anything because even if they still agree to 50-50 split on the revenues, the players should know that that cap is going to go up big time and they're not going to how much they're going to be entitled to. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the, being the benef- benefits of, of when they – that's probably why they extended the contra- the CBA. It had the mm-hmm. option to be expired after the end of this season – and or I think it was next season. But either way, oh God, they, they didn't do that, right? That would have yeah, been a nightmare. They extended it, so like they were intelligent and they looked at the 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 writing on the wall and said NBC's contract expires, so we have to look at this and say, is ESPN going to come in? Is CBS going to come in with an influx of cash and just rebrand hockey as the a sport? And I think that's what a benefit could be if they could rebrand this sport to be more accessible on the family level on just the individual level of not just marketing the Sidney Crosby's of the world and the Alex Ovechkin's, as we've talked about numerous times on this podcast, Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL and no one knows his name because he lives on the West coast in Edmonton. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and let's talk about this because let's talk about the potential scenarios of the different networks that could go on. If, if, Here's here's my criticism at NBC. NBC has done a lot since they they took over the contract. The, the NHL started on OLN, the Outdoor Life Network, which probably nobody remembers now. Then it went to Versus, and then Versus changed into NBC Sportsnet. You know, my whole thing is, I, I NBC does a good job. Don't get me wrong; they do a good Their job. Their production Their value broadcast- is is very high, and it's a nice like the graphics and, and the stats that they provide. I think, and I think, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think where they hinder is the analysis and the broadcasting team. Because after Doc Emmerich, the drop-off is huge. Not necessarily. Gordon Miller's really good, yeah. I, he, you know, but he does a lot of work with TSN as well and in and, uh, and, and Canada. Gordon Miller's one of the best out there, but he really is only featured during the playoffs. I would put him second behind Doc because yeah. Gordon Miller just knows how to call a hockey game. Um Here's my thing. My my thing with NBC is this is going to sound strange, but I think they're too suit uh, suit and tie. They're too much suit and yeah. tie. They're they're too much of a tight knit tight. It's too tight. It it doesn't seem loose enough for hockey. Like it's it's well, very suit what- and tie. It's very like let's focus on the professionalism and and the and the the energy of it. When I think that there could be a lot more that goes into it. 
I, I think one of the big players again actually could probably be Fox. And I would even take Fox over ESPN because it's also a national audience in a sense where you don't need generally everybody has cable nowadays or has cord to cut the cord and has some sort of subscription. But I don't think ESPN, as much as I would like to see hockey back on ESPN, you look at how much downhill there's that China. There it is. That it, I'll wait till it done. It's done. It well, I, 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 and I think what um, you're alluding to is if ESPN takes this, it becomes the they, ESPN already has Monday Night Football. It already has the NBA and it has numerous. I think it has the Bundesliga, the German Soccer League. And obviously, it's just ESPN, so it it it, it, go, it covers all the sports. Right. So, like when there's scheduling conflicts, which is inevitable when it comes to the winter months and the in the fall months, probably ESPN and NHL, the NHL will be third or fourth fiddle to the NFL, the, the NBA, certainly. Correct. And I can't and, fault and them for that. Major League Baseball too, because they have Major League Baseball. Right. So, that's who I, I can't believe I forgot baseball, but yeah. like with Sunday night baseball or Wednesday night primetime, whatever, like it's going to be inevitably the fourth fiddle to ESPN. And I don't think that would be beneficial at all. ESPN, as you alluded to, or excuse me, the NHL has to go to a, a team. And that's why they went to NBC. NBC was just an up and comer at that point in terms of the sports landscape. So they took a risk. And now NBC is carrying major sports. They're the primetime of football nowadays with Sunday Night Football. They have the the top Premier League or the top soccer league in the world in the mm-hmm. Premier League, that broadcasting rights, which I think also expires relatively soon. I want to say in two seasons, maybe this season. I can't remember. Either way, but like that's what they did. The NHL took a risk with N- the NF- uh, with NBC and said, let's see how this goes. And I think on the whole, it's been majorly successful. But Agreed. I think they're ready for that next step, and I think I agree with you. I think Fox is the uh, Fox or CBS. See, here's the thing: I you you can compare how well they do based upon the other sports they broadcast. NBC does a great job with the Premier League. I'm not gonna lie; we've yeah. I've watched a my my buddy is a huge Liverpool fan. I and when he when I, I I follow it because it gives us something to talk about. It, it is entertaining too, and, and you know, Premier League soccer is awesome. But by best and by far. NBC Sunday Night Football is the best broadcast in all sports. There's nothing that even comes close to it. There's nothing that even comes close to it. The whole thing is, though, is that I don't see that same kind of quality in the NHL. They use a lot of different camera angles in in Sunday Night Football. They tell the story. They paint the picture. They let the game play itself out. They don't really do that in hockey. It's harder to do in hockey because you got to follow the play, but um, the whole thing is, is that in a national audience, Fox has that always seems to be that cutting edge <clears throat> always seems to be that cutting edge uh way of broadcasting i, I they were like, we talked about last week they were the first their first uh broadcast team to the uh, broadcast company to really put the score in the top left hand corner and leave it there during the entire game yeah they came up with the uh, the, the fox tracks the puck back in the 1990s it was way advanced for its time going back to the nhl now on fox i think it could give more when I watch the NFL on Fox, it, the broadcast quality is really good. It gives it more of an energetic type feel, not so much suit and tie, but more laid back. But almost seems like you're watching like with the graphics of it. It's almost like an arcade game. It feels like I, I, that's I, that's the only way I can really describe it. It it just gives it more energy. 
NBC, great, but they're very, very professional. They're very, very like, oh, we're going to keep it clean. We're going to keep it nice. We're going to keep it. You don't get so much of that energy out of it, and especially with a guy like Pierre Maguire. Look, the guy knows his stuff, but I really don't care if a guy comes from Hearst, Ontario, where he played in juniors because you know why? Nobody else cares. In football, they focus on the colleges because college football is big, but hockey, you don't do that. So I think Fox would take a different angle on it and, and go about how to promote the stars better. Like a guy like Connor McDavid to get him known on a national stage, regardless of what 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 city he's playing in. I think that Fox would be able to have that leverage to be able to do that better than anybody else. Yeah, I, and and I don't. People can go and Google search this on their own and figure out what the controversy was because I I understand, but at the same time, I didn't I didn't agree with the firing. Jeremy Roenick was one of the more prominent. Uh, and analyzers in NBC and he lost his job over a controversy over something he made not even on NBC's network he made it on Barstool Sports I think we actually touched on it a little bit yeah and it's like dude are we really gonna I get that you put this this person in an uncomfortable position but like at the end of the day anyone with a brain could have looked at that and said yeah this was a little a joke that went over the line he deserves a, some sort of punishment, but to fire him is very suit and tie and just like very, very tight knit for something that doesn't need to be that, that tight knit. It's too corporate It's yeah, too exactly. corporate That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's too corporate It took me a while to get that. I was thinking the same thing. It's too corporate for a hockey audience. It really yes. is. I just, I, I think that's why, yes, the ratings are good, but I think they could be better. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there could be better coverage with it. You need to have it more loose. And look, yep. let's be honest, there's no there's no company that's more loose than Fox with the way they go about things, especially on their news, which really is an opinion network, but that's a different <laughs> story. But the idea is that Fox has always been the cutting edge thing, and Fox can come up with different ways to really get that out there. I mean, and I'm not going to lie to you, I think it would be absolutely awesome to have a guy like Joe Buck do a hockey game. I think he'd be I, awesome. Thank you. I, I think you, you led me right it. into this. Like, there are the one guy that I, outside of Joe Buck, because I think Joe Buck is just like the kind of like the, the, not, uh, the, the staple of Fox, obviously, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. He does golf, which I don't think – he's get, still getting in his groove of the golf coverage. He's great at baseball. He's excellent at football. I think the guy that would become the voice, and I think this would be immensely uh, well-received, Gus Johnson. Oh, as, yeah. As the voice of Fo- – because he works – he does – mostly I've seen him do the Big Ten football championship. He's done a bunch of uh, – uh, March Madness stuff, but Gus Johnson, because the Big Ten Network is a division of Fox, mm-hmm. I think they could easily slide him into that role, and he would be immaculate at that at in that role of, as the voice of hockey. And I think you would also try and bring over the guys like the 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 Doc Emmerichs or the mm-hmm. Gordon and Millers. You would try and bring them over as the as the guy uh, because they're kind of floaters. You see that in radio too. Like it's not the it's not they're sticking at the individual radio station, but they're sticking – they work for the organization of the sports organization, Correct. and then they just go where the broadcasting rights right. go to. Right, and see, here's the thing. Like, the number two right now in NBC Sports is Kenny Albert. Yeah. With well, all due respect, Ugh. Kenny Albert is a great announcer, but he's a radio announcer. He's not a TV announcer. He's not yeah. a guy he, – he talks like a robot, and he's like this all the time. And here's and – here's, oh, I'm going to save my love quest. Like, oh, I'm talking way too fast for TV. I'm you. not letting the picture really? develop itself. And I'm going to keep doing Kenny Albert because that's what he does. And, oh, my God, love quest. Oh, dear God. 
That is an incredible impersonation. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. Oh, look, you could do his dad too. Jordan, three, jumper, got it. Yes. Like, well, the thing is, he's also, I believe this is still the case, he's the voice of the Rangers local broadcast. On the radio. And on it's the like, radio. What are, why are we having, because he every time the Flyers play the Rangers on national television, you know Kenny Albert's going to be the guy. And it's like, how does this work? How because does this happen? They have a backup guy because Kenny Albert has those other projects, but because a lot of times that uh, – Sam Rosen is the one who does the, and I think Sam Rosen's a fantastic announcer because he doesn't talk too fast. Yeah, you watch a Rangers broadcast, Sam Rosen. I don't care if he's almost eighty years old; he's fantastic. You know, some of these guys talk way too much. And look, Kenny Albert is the son of Marv Albert. Marv Albert's a legendary broadcaster in his own right for basketball. But the thing is, Kenny Albert is too fast for hockey TV. You you need to have pace. Doc is a little too fast for it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why. And I, I know I went on a rant about Gary Thorne last week, but Gary Thorne we used to segment it, basically. Doc can do that as well, and but Doc, you can hear Doc getting into it, so he tries to bring the emotion to it, which is great. Kenny Albert's way too fast for this. You know, you, you listen to – go watch, like, um, CBC or Sportsnet in, in Canada or, and watch, the, watch how the Canadian broadcasters do it. They are on point with their sport, almost like what we are with like football. Like, you know, like I couldn't imagine like Gordon Miller or, uh, you know, uh, some other guys doing, you know, a football broadcast. You know what yeah. I mean? It, just, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a matchup. But you're right. I think Gus Johnson would be good at ho- good at hockey. Mike Tirico, when he did it, was really impressive with hockey during the playoffs last year. I really liked listening to Mike Tirico because he segmented it. I and- think if. I think Mike Tirico would be good, but you would need NBC to keep the broadcast because he's going to be the guy that probably replaces um, oh why Al Michaels. I, Al Michaels. He's going to yeah. be the guy that replaces Al Michaels in a couple years, and like that's just kind of like it's like that's just the name of the game. These guys, these companies hire them. I think I would imagine that that Tirico's contract is exclusive with NBC. Like he can't divert outside of that. Right. So you would need. You would just need NBC to, and it's like, is is Tariko's expertise really worth signing back up with NBC? And I still lean towards give it to Fox and see what happens. I think that there would be Fox is going to come out with a lot of money. So is NBC. Yep. I mean, they're backed by Comcast, so they're going to have a lot of money to throw at it. I think though, for the NHL's popularity, get away from the corporate corporate like you. They their ratings weren't that great with ESPN because the game itself wasn't that good. They've made the change to the game. They've had almost two decades to really tune it back up. You go back out to a national audience now. They haven't been on Fox since, what, 1998, 1999? Yeah. Almost since the turn of the decade, they haven't been on Fox. So, um, I'm sorry, the turn of the uh, millennium. They haven't been on Fox. So, I mean, you're talking almost 20 years, 20, 25 years. I think now would be the time instead of staying on NBC – jump to Fox, get a different edge, bring in a different core audience because you you need more that's focusing on the players and how well they do. And Fox is going to get really creative with that because they always have been. You don't need to have the, oh, well, we're going to make it look professional and, and great because we're hockey. And like, that's the vibe I get from NBC. You yeah. go from Fox, you get more, more edginess and you need that because like, let's, and you mentioned CBS and I wanted to mention this as well. The CBS doesn't really have to cover a whole lot of sports, but 
CBS, when I think of CBS, I think of like golf because like yeah, it's the know, Masters. Like CBS's football coverage, I'm sorry, it's a disaster. I, they have the worst graphics. They, their announcers aren't that great. Their pregame show is just way too suit and tie for me. And it's just like I granted it's the AFC that they mainly do, but it just feels like they're overcompensating for something half the time. And you know, with Fox, it feels more fun. ESPN, it feels more fun. NBC's been a good time, but you know, like, look, it's like the girlfriend you had like 20 years ago, you know what I mean? Or it was like, eh, that, that's long and past, and, you know, you moved on a different airway in life. It's, it's gotten old. Um, but I don't know why I just said that, but whatever. <laughs> but it was the only analogy I could think of. At the time. I wanted to see where you were going to go with yeah, that. I and, really uh... couldn't take that any further than I just did. But the whole point is, is that, look, there's opportunity there. Stay away from CBS. They suck. I, Fox would be just really something cool to see and, and, yeah. and get a whole group into it. No, I agree. Um, so let's go to the next phase of this, uh, uh, of the news of the, of the week. Um, the Eagles had a draft. Obviously, we're a hockey podcast, but I, I, I wanted to touch on the NFL draft real quick because two new news stories out of the draft uh, involving just the NHL draft and obviously the NFL draft uh, occurred this weekend. Uh, in addition to that plan by Bettman in terms of getting uh, the four arenas and playing all the games there, he also had this insane idea because with Gary Bettman, it's either it's one good idea and one bad idea, or it's just all bad idea. He has to, he can never solidify everything. Yeah. He wants to hold the draft, the NHL entry draft still in June. This is mind boggling, but mind bogging. Like, I don't understand why you would think when you're like, are you, is your, your idea of, okay, well, the NFL draft this weekend was going to be a huge success, so let's try and dip into that water? Or is he just completely insane and wants to have these prospects taken by teams uh, without really having a a set order of the draft? I think it's going to be really difficult to do because you really have to figure out who's going to be part of the lottery. I mean, is the team four points out of a playoff spot right now really going to be part of a lottery? Or if they they get first overall pick and you're still – working on this season before they start the next one and they're getting the first overall pick. I think there's a lot of logistics there that might be problematic around the league itself. Unless you have something straight up where you take a couple of teams who are near the bottom and you automatically give them the picks and then you put the rest in a lottery you listen, we talked about it last week, a team like Detroit. The, the team like Detroit needs the first overall pick. They do. They need that type of player. They don't have enough talent up front. They don't have enough talent on defense. A team like Ottawa has enough talent to be able to stay competitive. They need a player to push them over the edge, but they've also been pretty much tanking. So do you want to reward that behavior? And that's an argument that's been going on for years in all sports. But yeah, the issue is here is that I don't think it's fair to the teams to – Put them in a lottery scenario when the season hasn't even been wrapped up yet. That that that's that's my concern. Or they haven't decided yeah. what they're going to do for next season. I don't have a problem with them holding the draft in June. That's not the issue. It's the logistics of how are they going to decide who becomes part of the lottery, which I think is going to be the bigger issue here. You know, as I just mentioned, there are some teams who need those picks more than anything else. But yet again, you don't want to turn into, oh, we're going to throw it in a straight lottery scenario. We're like, okay, well, Detroit's going to wind up getting the third overall pick now when really they needed the first more than anything else. 
do you really just do it the old way? The last place team, they automatically get the first pick and just make that exception for this season and just go yeah. up the stats yeah, now that's... and the top 10 and maybe the top 10. So, you know, granted, it, it, the, the top five picks in the NHL draft, generally outside of anybody at a one or two, if you're third, fourth, fifth overall, you're not playing in the NHL for another two to three years anyway. So the yeah. whole idea is that if we can just, okay, we'll take the top 10 teams and our top 10 teams and or five teams and the worst five teams with the worst five records at this point, they're just going to go in. We're going to do it all as usual. And then we'll lottery the rest or something like that. I, yeah. That's the only way it's going to really going to work. Yeah. And I, like it, 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 it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you're going to do this, then you have to go and get rid of the 2014 playoff and just do the lottery. If, if you're three points out of it, it or go the other way with you, with your point, if you're three points out of the playoffs, Sorry, that, that, that this is how it's going to be. There's going to be an asterisk on this season. We're going to do the regular 16-team playoff out of these four arenas, and then here's the lottery in June. And then from that point, you kind of just do the draft with the lottery teams. Like, just do that in June because you know they're not going to be playing in July or August whenever the t- season would hopefully come back. And it's just like that. that's how it's going to be this year. Like, sorry if you're – this these teams that are just on the cusp of making the playoffs but these are unusual circumstances and unfortunately this is how we're, we've decided to do this if you're three points out you're in the lottery and we're gonna go from there you know you mentioned one point there that really just kind of dawned on me imagine the team that wins the stanley cup this season oh it's, it's, it's always a total gonna asterisk. have the asterisk it's always it's gonna be asterisk. like the barry bonds home run thing where you know he oh was on steroids it's always gonna be the asterisk argument like yep. you know like, can you imagine? Can you imagine the pushback? Like, just theoretically saying that the Flyers won the Stanley Cup this year. Do you do you understand how people are like? Oh well, you didn't win it in a full season. It didn't matter. Do you, do you how petty the arguments would be with that? Yeah, it, it would be a petty argument, and it's not like th- with the Bonds argument. It's like, okay, we know he cheated. This isn't a cheating scenario. It's just an unusual scenario. Yeah, but they didn't get through a full season. That's the whole right. Like you, yeah. you won the Stanley Cup in a season where you didn't play the whole thing. It, you know, you what's the matter? You can't win the Stanley Cup like everybody well, else. Well, okay. Well, and I would just come back with, okay, do we have an asterisk on? I don't even know who won the Stanley Cup in the shortened season a couple years back. Like, uh, let's see. So I could tell you the last couple lockouts. 94-95 was the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not sorry, the, the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. And then 0-4-5, obviously there wasn't a no season. season. And 12-13, it was the Blackhawks. So is there a, do we say that there's an asterisk on the 2012-2013 Blackhawks? Like, I I've didn't think of that, that argument. So my point is null and void. So, yeah, yeah, bring it on. All right, let's win the damn Stanley Cup and then take your asterisks and shove it up your ass. Yeah, like there's no, there's never been a discussion because I think there would the only scenario where it would be is because the difference is you're cutting off the season rather than starting the season late. That would yeah. be the only exception to the. And that rule. was a 48 game season. At least this point, it'd be 75 pretty much for everybody. Right, like you, you still played almost the whole of season. The season. You played yeah. a significant amount of the season, so it's like you can't really. Like at the end of the day, the teams that were going to probably win the cup, we already know who they were going to be. The Flyers were in that conversation. The 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 Oilers were in that conversation. The Vegas Knights were in that conversation. Obviously, Pittsburgh and Washington. Like the, the Lightning, sp- the Lightning, the Bruins, yeah. all those right, teams. Like these these teams that we are on the outskirts of the playoffs. My point is, they probably were not going to contend. 
yes, the NHL is the greatest playoffs because it's like just get in and you see what happens. But at the end of the day, the team that wins the cup is generally who uh, is one of the six or seven teams we anticipated to win the cup in the preseason. Yeah. That's my point. Okay. Fair enough. The other thing is, uh, and I had to discuss this because I think the hockey was the only comparison that the Eagle to the Eagles decision in day two of the draft. Um, They made a wild decision this week in taking a quarterback in the second round to, as they have said, to be an asset and be a backup to Carson Wentz. Yeah. This is the equivalent of in two years, if he stays on the trajectory that he is in, if uh, Chuck Fletcher looks at Carter Hart and in the that year's draft in two years and we still have a solid starter in in, in Carter Hart and Chuck Fletcher says, I'm taking a, a, a goalie in the first or second round of the NHL entry draft of that okay. year. Okay. And you just look at Carter Hart and say – What's the point of this? It's no, you can't. You're comparing apples to oranges. Don't even start me on this. Don't Uh-oh. start. Don't start because all you're going to do is just piss me off. What did I just say five minutes ago? Yeah. Players who aren't picked usually first or second overall in the NHL draft are not playing in the NHL for usually three to four years. Two, right. But, three, but the, four the, years. But the thing Goal is, like, for five, six, or seven. Yeah. Because you, goaltenders don't come usually out of the draft and make an immediate impact. Mark Andre Fleury, when he was drafted, came out and played for the Penguins right away in the 03 04 season. You know what they did about 10 games in? They sent him down because he wasn't ready. And he was well, the first overall pick in the draft. Rick DiPietro, Rick DiPietro back in 2000, first overall pick, first goalie to ever all, overall be picked first overall ever. He didn't even play a full season. He didn't right. even come up to the team until halfway through the season. My so, comparison, my comparison is simply because everyone says there can only be one quarterback on the field at one point, and it's like that's obviously true. There can only be one goalie at the at, like if the if the Flyers took a forward or a center and said he's our replacement for Claude Giroux or he's a backup to Claude Giroux, you don't look at that and say that's weird. You say okay, that makes sense because he'll be a third or fourth line down the line. With a goalie, you kind of look at it going, well, there's only one goalie on the ice at a, at a time, and we have a kid, and I'm playing in the future of, of a hypothetical that Carter Hart stays on the trajectory that he is, 24 years old, continues to dominate in the NHL, and Chuck Fletcher says, I'm going to take another goalie just to have a goalie. That's what I mean. That's where I'm making that comparison. I Obviously, I understand. It's not a valid comparison at all. Look, oh, come look, on. Look, yes, look we're not an Eagles podcast, but I'm going to dive into this <laughs> because I've been reading Twitter all weekend, and it's been freaking pissing me off. What's happened to Carson Wentz the last three years? He has gotten hurt. What has Carson Wentz had the last three years? A backup quarterback. This past year, he had Josh McCown. McCown comes in. McCown gets hurt. They don't have anybody else because Nate Sudfeld. Obviously, they don't have confidence in him if they're going to draft a guy like Jalen Hurts. Okay, so I get it, I'm, but you don't take a backup more quarterback than in the second on. round. You okay, don't take a- but here's the point. Here's the point. If Wentz happens to go down again, let's hope he doesn't because he's a, he's. I would have taken Jake from uh, Jake from Georgia. No, but here's no. Here's the point. In the fourth round, you pick the best player available. You pick the best player available. Okay, you couldn't get C.D. Lamb in the first round. You got Jalen Ragor, who, when you watch his tape, it's kind of like okay, that might suit the Eagles 
scheme a little better because they want a lot of bubble screens and stuff like that. And this guy was zooming and zipping it out of little screens here, zipping out of holes like crazy. So yeah. maybe you don't need to have a big rangy receiver like CD Lamb, which the Cowboys took, which is going to put them in trouble in a couple of years because they're not going to be able to afford anybody. So fantastic. So anyway, I digress. You pick the best player available. The idea now is, is that, listen, if Carson Wentz gets hurt, you don't go out and just get a back of quarterback because if he's on the market, he's on the market for a reason. He's not good enough to keep. You draft a guy to learn your system, and you have someone here in your system to make sure that if Wentz happens to go down for any period of time, whether it's a week or two or three or whatever, you can still stay competitive. Getting a guy like Josh McCown is not going to keep you competitive enough for three, four, five weeks in a season. Look at Drew Brees last season. Drew Brees is 40 years old. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater won them a couple of games, and he kept them afloat. The whole idea is, though, is that you don't want to have a revolving door of backup quarterbacks. Have a guy here, which then what happens is that you turn into a Jimmy Garoppolo situation, where next thing you know, it's that, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is just going to sit and rot behind Tom Brady. We can get a lot of assets for him, a lot of picks for him. And then he goes off and does it that way. Look, the plan blew up in the face because Tom Brady walked away as a free agent. Carson's not going anywhere for a few years, and I'm sure if he plays well and stays healthy for the next couple of years, he's not going anywhere either. So... Here's the idea. The idea is now that you have someone that you could have a Sam Bradford situation where you have a team that's desperate enough that will throw away a first-round draft pick for Sam freaking Bradford. Yeah. Now you have the same situation here. And frankly, if you look at the draft yesterday, the Eagles did well enough to make everything up for they all of their They did well needs. in day three. I will give them they did very well in day three. I, I couldn't look at it and say that there was anything that I'm just like, what are we doing here? But I'm so confused like i i don't i think jalen hurts would have been there in round three like if you took him in round three compared to round two i think i would have been a little bit more uh, fine with it you never know that and the whole idea is that you never never know that and the thing is that look at it this way instead of just getting cd lamb and putting your future just on wentz and cd lamb you got a speedy wide receiver who can play the scheme a lot better and not only that too you now have a backup quarterback which you can groom and now you can have him learning behind Wentz and learning things from carson wentz because in the event that he does need to get better he's not going to have a walk away for a long time I have no problem with the Eagles investing a high pick in someone knowing that he's going to be there for a few years and knowing they got the guy that they wanted, not someone they just needed to pick up off the market. And I think that people don't see the bigger picture with this is that, yes, as much as Carson Wentz is a talent, his health is a concern. Whether you want to agree with it or not, he has been hurt and his season's ended by injury the last three years, regardless of if it was a concussion if he got speared in the head or if he's diving for a touchdown and tears his ACL randomly. He's gotten hurt. So you need to have a plan in place to stay competitive because, frankly, if you want to win championships, you have to have the right pieces in the place. You can't just pick up pieces off the road because a guy like Cam Newton is 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 a free agent for some reason. A guy like Jameis Winston yeah. is a free agent for some reason. If they're good enough, they'll keep you. So there obviously isn't any enough options out there to win you enough games. Now you have a guy you bring in here and groom the way you want to so that way you run the scheme you need to. Interesting. Anyway. It, it, yeah. I guess I, there's I don't no know. there's like, no comparison to Carter Hart with that because when Ron Hextall came in here, the Flyers did have some prospects, but the thing is they were short on the goalie cabinet. Now they have a lot of prospects. They have Felix Sandstrom, who's coming over and played pro this year. Yep, or, or, or either he's not this year, then it'll be next year. I think he was okay. I think he came over this year. The whole point is though is that now is that you already have some high draft picks there, and you need two gold goaltenders because 
Carter Hart has gotten hurt this year. Brian Elliott has had to step in. So yep. I don't care if the Flyers go in a draft and have to draft a goalie in the second or third round because it's the same concept. Normally, goalies don't play for the same teams they're drafted on. The whole issue is here is now that Carter Hart's going to be your guy probably for a long time. But what if it doesn't pan out? You still need to keep that cabinet stock. You pick the best, best player available. And, and Rant, I don't care what the Eagles did. I feel like their draft was fine. They picked the best players available, the best players that work for them. That that's all there is to it. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk movies and TV. So last week, I'm going to jump in here real quick. Yeah, I, I want to hear this about how you're now going to be a forensic scientist. Well, no, 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 I'm not. I, I watched all that. I'm good. <laughs> you said something after I mentioned that. It's actually hilarious. You said I had to stop living in the '90s, and I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? Most of the stuff I haven't watched has been the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, because all we're doing is uh, we're doing Curb and Seinfeld and brackets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, wait now. So I decided to jump into something more recent. Okay, I started watching Homeland this week. Oh yeah, good show. Homeland. I, I maybe I'm kind of lukewarm. Maybe my expectations. I'm kind of lukewarm on it so far. But I yeah, did start I mean, watching it, it different. The this first week. couple seasons are very good, from what I've been told, and then it kind of like takes a dive off a cliff. That's um, yeah. I, I talked to my wife about it. She watched it before, and I started watching the first season. And, I, and even so, like the first, it's kind of a dud. Like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Like, I'm I'm trying to find different things to pique my interest and stuff like that. But uh, what I did actually do this week is I caught up on Vice. And Vice oh, is now nice. on HBO. Oh, not it was was on HBO. It's now on Showtime. I love watching Vice because it focuses on things that you know you don't normally see like a mainstream media. They, mainstream media is by getting your attention, get you the news quick, and get you to move on. That's exactly what it is. A twenty four hour news cycle. Vice really digs into things that are problems going on in the world. I'm so glad they brought it back. I, I caught up on that. So there's my modernization. And also with Homeland, it just it, it hasn't peaked my expectations. I thought there'd be a little more, I don't know, spy work in it or something like that. I can't go with network cheesiness, but I figured being Showtime, it could, you know, it'd be something like Claire Danes is a babe. So I figured, oh, maybe she'll be over like overseas, like in some sort of like capacity where she's undercover and something. And, you know, it's like a lot of espionage type deals. But, you know, it literally it's about just she's following some soldier around because she thinks he might be an extremist or whatnot. And it, there's not a lot, a whole lot to it. It's really about the soldier. And I don't know. I'm just not buying it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have about 45 minutes, 50 minutes left in, in this movie. Uh, it just came out. It's on uh, Netflix and it has Thor, Chris Hemsworth as this like super soldier mercenary, whatever you want to call him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've Extraction. heard about it. It's, okay insane really it's, i have like 45 minutes left and i was looking up online because i wanted to see a couple of other cast members that i recognized um and the first review that i saw of it was summed it up perfectly even though i only have a i have 45 minutes left in the show in the movie th it summed it up perfectly it's extraction is uh john wick meets call of duty in a mission and that's the combination of what of of a the, I was I like this is a perfect this combination of it. John Wick meets Call of Duty, and it's a movie. Oh my god, I have to watch that because I spent I just had two hours in Warzone last night with my buddies. Yeah, and yeah, I, it's insane. It, it it's insane. 
you know, second the other day. I haven't, I haven't gotten a win since I told you that I had four wins. So I think you cursed me. We got as high as fifth last night, and nice. then we started getting blown out of the way. You know, it cracks me up, too, because I'm not the best at COD. I'm not going to lie. I kind of yeah. suck at first-person shooters. It's not always been my thing. My, my, my more action-adventure, like Resident Evil style. That's, that's my, that's my yep. genre in sports. The whole point is last night. So we're in Verdansk. And just a quick COD note. If you, you don't follow COD, you're not going to understand. But this is just how absurd my friends are that I play with. Yep. So my buddies, Charlie and Steve, uh, last night we're playing and these guys are on a roof and I'm shooting the guys. And next thing I turn around and my buddies are 100 meters away. And they're like, you got to know when to run away. I was like, I'm like, I- I'm shooting the guys who are shooting me. What the hell you want me to do? <laughs> so and they're like, like, stick with us. Okay. So anyway, we, we ju- the next round, we jump out of a, we jump out of the plane and we're going towards the prison. And my buddy's making a beeline for the, to the chopper right in the middle of the gulag. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. gets in there and he gets a chopper and he's going. We land in there after him and he flies off. Well, next thing you know, I get there and I land and he's 300 meters away in the chopper. So I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? So finally I go and my buddy's get my buddy Steve's like, get some weapons. Let's, let's loot the place. You know, meanwhile, we saw like 50 people come in here. So I know you're not going to get a whole lot. So yep. I go up to the corner. I open up a supply box. I get my weapon and I come back out. And next thing you know, I'm, 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 my, my, my buddy starts coming back on the chopper. You see the chopper at the top of the gulag. And all of a sudden my name comes up and I'm being recon for a contract, which means someone's hunting me. Yeah. So I'm like, Great. This is terrible with the threat is high, which means the guy's probably in the gulag itself. So anyway, my buddy goes, oh, you're being hunt. I'm out of here. And he just turns around and flies away. <laughs> I go, and next thing you know, I'm being shot at. All right. So Charlie flies away. I'm being shot at. And I start running back in the opposite direction. And next thing you know, the buddy who told me you got to know when to run away, the last round goes, dude, I've been shot. Why aren't you coming back and remind me? Why are you running away? Like, are you kidding me? This is the kind of <laughs> I play with. It's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I wind up getting killed because I come back to revive him. I'm shooting at the guy. He's like, why aren't you shooting the guy? I'm like, I am shooting a guy. Another guy came up and shot me because there's 50 people in the gulag because you morons wanted to go steal a helicopter. Yeah. Oh, uh, the <laughs> arguments you get in with Cod really test the character and friendship uh, you <laughs> really have with do. people. <laughs> It's hilarious. It's, it's listen, so much I have, fun. I have so much fun playing it. I do. I try to play it with them a couple times a week. It's a blast. Don't get me wrong, but it's just hilarious because Warzone gets so intense. This is yep. why I don't watch a whole lot of TV because I spend some time doing that because, yep. you know, it's more entertaining than watching a show. Sorry. It's just how I am. But the whole thing is, is that it cracks me up. It's that one round you tell me to run away from guys who are shooting at you, and I go to run away, and then you yell at me because I didn't come back and revive you when guys are shooting at you. So, yeah, you, you can't win. You can't win ever. The other, the other TV show that I'm watching, and this is it's been on the air a while, and this is the final season of it. But thankfully, I think you could watch the final four episodes and be perfectly fine with what you're watching. Game of Thrones? No, <laughs> no, because Game of Thrones sucked in the final four episodes. It really did. The, f- the show is the Clone Wars. It takes place. It's in the Star Wars universe. And it takes place between Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, when obviously, as we all know, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. Wait, what? Yeah, I know. Spoiler alert if I just ruined the entire show for you. Oh, my God. I had no idea that. (laughs) Hey, honey, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. Did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) But this, this is the final season. It's on Disney+. Plus. 
the fu- the it, this like I said, this is the final season. Okay, we're in the middle of the final four episodes, and it's basically a four part movie. Really, uh, it it overlaps between Revenge of the Sith now. Like they have certain cues that you can tell when they are in a they're in the middle of Revenge of the Sith movie, and they leave Easter eggs for you to drop figure that out. And it is a production. It's so good. Really? Like, without going I don't want to spoil too much because there's characters that are have returned. Yeah. If you don't saw tell me. if you saw solo, you know one character is back and he's in um Don't in don't Clone Wars. Say no more. I'm uh, how were they about an hour apiece? No, they're twenty five minutes. There's there are t- it's a TV show and it's it because like I said, it's four parts, so and it comes out weekly. But what the great part is, we're at, at the final two episodes. One comes out this Friday, May 1st, and okay. the last episode of the season comes out three days later on appropriately named May 4th. May 4th, May 4th is the be best day because everyone says, May the 4th be with you. Yep. So I'll send you a link. And uh, if you are looking for this show and ha- don't have time because there's this is the seventh season – and the first couple seasons are a little tough to get through before they really get into their groove. Uh, there is a link that I will send you a, it, that gives a quick, like 30 minute recap of what the first seven, six seasons, excuse me, were you. And then you can just start season seven. You could really start season seven on episode nine okay. and be perfectly fine. Cause that's when this all starts. And it's, it's the, it's the, the prequel, movie we deserved when they initially did the prequel movies okay. that's how i will describe it because see, everyone's disappointed with them and it's so good see, oh I, that, so good that's something i'll get into because you know my my wife is a very big fan of the first three episodes me i like the originals yep. and I, I i love the mandalorian i really thought they did that well the mandalorian yeah. i thought was really really cool the way they went about it so um the same guy is is part that is part of the mandalorian Dan Filoni, Dave Filoni. I forget always, I always forget his name, uh, but it's something Filoni and he's involved with the final season of Clone Wars. And it's, oh, I, if you have not, if you're a Star Wars fan and we did not like the prequels, this will make up for it. I promise you. All right. I will, uh, I will check them out because, you know, actually on Friday night, we finally just watched um, uh, the, uh, what was it? The Rise of Skywalker? The last oh, yeah, the one? final prequel or yeah, the final the, sequel trilogy. Watch the final one. And I got to tell you, I like the way they went about it. I did. Oh, no. Oh, God. See, That's a- it, it, everybody, everybody I talked to is either you hate it or you love it. And I really liked it because I did not, ex- I thought it was pretty neat how, you know, if, I guess it had deeper meaning with me. I don't understand. I, I For different reasons, I'm not going to get into on the air. But the whole thing is, I like the fact that they, I, spoiler alert. Yeah, I'll give you everybody five seconds. If you have not watched Rise of Skywalker, pause your radio now. Because I really loved how they brought back Palpatine. I love that. I love that angle. Yeah, I love that. I, like, I had a feeling about it the episode before with Snoke because I had a feeling like, this guy seems too much like Palpatine. Where did he come from? And I liked how they brought it back, and I liked the angle they took with it. So, I mean, let's be real. How do you expect to end an epic series like Star Wars, the the, the Skywalker saga? How can yeah. you expect to end that? You know, you have to come out, and there's people who love it the way, and they're going to hate it. But I really liked how they went about the angle of it and how she turned out to be Rey was a Palpatine the entire time. But, you know, 
became the last Jedi. And I, I thought it was just a different angle. I liked how they go about it. And the fact that Kylo Ren turned back near the end was actually pretty cool. I don't know. Like I, 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 with, I, we're deep in a spoiler. So why not? Like, like with, with the Kylo Ren thing, the last thing you said, like, it just felt like they're rehashing everything we've already seen. Like we've seen Darth Vader come back at, at the end of Return of the Jedi because he turned back fine. And, and it's just like, how many times are we going to do the same story of a, of a long lost uh, orphan or, or it's just someone that lost their parents and just like you add a couple twists and turns into it. And then at the end of the day, uh, you make the bad guy good again. Like it's okay to have a movie in Star Wars where the bad guy stays bad and you have to kill him. I'm sorry. They did look at look at Palpatine at the end there, yeah, dude. But Palpatine was such a filler. Like I I look at it, Palpatine was terrible. Like it wasn't I, like, about the good guy being bad. It's about the Jedi being able to defeat the Sith. Yeah, and it's been going it, on since but, the first episode. Yeah, I get it, but and it's the Sith like won. the Sith won to begin with because they had turned the one of the best Jedi into Darth Vader, yeah. and then they took over the galaxy, and then they were able to be partially defeated, and then they came back. Like it was the the it was the good guy beat the bad guy, but the bad guy also stayed bad. It's a little bit of everything. Just why does everybody have to dive into the fact that all these little aspects? Oh, we have orphans, and then we have people where they're outmatched and they come back last minute. Can you just enjoy the story? I did, but it was like I—I I don't know. And then I think what pissed me off the most was like the after production stuff, like those stories that came out. Like J.J. Abrams has a, a a version of it that won't ever be released, and I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like he like there's this, it, and then they came out and said, uh, oh, Palpatine, the Palpatine we saw in in in, in Rise of Skywalker was a clone, and it's like, what does that even mean? Like I get what you're trying to do, but like don't try and explain yourself. Just live with the fact that this is what you presented with us. And for me, it fell flat on its face. You enjoyed it. And that's fine. I'm not going to judge you for enjoying the movie. I'm not going to judge you for thinking it fall flat on the face. As I said, there's no in between. Either you liked it or you hated it. There was no. That's absolutely. I was okay. No, it's either you liked it or you hated it. I didn't find anybody who the one is in between that was okay. Yeah, I I think that's just Star Wars fans in general. Yeah. Some people are too. See, I'm not a. I'm not a Star Wars fan to the extent where I'm going to dive deep into character development. So I enjoy the stories out of it. George Lucas wanted to tell a story. And this is a story that he told and how he envisioned telling it. And I, I like the fact how he took something in the 70s and made it so futuristic and not dystopian, but so like old at the same time. I, that, 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 that's what made it enjoyed out of it. So. Yeah, I, I think. Wow. We're, this is I got to we got to wrap this podcast. We're running way long and I have I have to take up ready for this. My wife and I are taking a bread making class in a couple of minutes. I don't know. It's something we're, we're, here's why she brought it up and I was like, Hey, I'll join you because we're not able to go on dates and I want to enjoy just doing something with you. That's out of the box instead of just watching a movie. How romantic. It's a virtual bread making class. I don't know if I'm going to learn anything. Listen, I have, honey, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm just going to tease this. Me? You know, what's that? Will you break bread with me, honey? <laughs> you got to use the pickup line, man. You got to do honey. That's I good. Butter your bread. <laughs> because I I'm gonna tease this. You know what? I've already told you off the air what's coming to my house in a couple weeks. Oh less yeah. Than two weeks away. Well, you, I will you hold just off on gave that. Give it away. What's that? 
you kind of just gave it away with no. coming to your house. It's, it could be a package. Well, it is a package. <laughs> I don't know. doesn't matter. It's coming to the house in about two weeks. I will. You'll probably know about it prior because uh, I'll just be posting about them. About them. Uh, so they're coming to the house in a couple weeks. There are less than two weeks. I'm very excited for it. But I have to go to this bread-making class. We still have the Seinfeld verse uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm bracket. We are down to the Elite Eight. If you don't recall, it is Carpool Lane versus Costanza Doll. The Doll in Curb versus Palestine Chicken in Curb. The Face Painter of Seinfeld against the Invitations of Seinfeld. And Festivus and Hamptons and Seinfeld round out the eight. Listen, listen, I've got an idea because Uh-oh. you got to go butter your wife's bread. I get it. I totally understand <laughs> it. You know what? Listen, listen, just just don't get it. Watch out for if you're playing with bread, just watch out for yeast infections. That's all. Just be careful. Right? Oh, so, I'm bleeping that. Yeah. So uh, so the whole idea, I have an idea. Why don't we let the listeners pick the last couple here? Yeah, absolutely. I'll let's post, do that. I'll post. Why don't we instead of us figuring out, let's put polls on Facebook. Yep. On Twitter. Let's do that. Let's get let's get let's get our let's get our listeners involved and we'll let them pick the final four and then they'll get to pick the final matchup. Yep, I agree. I like that idea. We've taken I've I've done enough of this. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm done picking episodes. I gotta let people watch. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I know I'm gonna link, but it's not up to, to me or you or you yep. and I. It's really just up to everybody what they think at it because you know this is you know, I'll be shocked if there's an upset here. But if there's not a clear winner here, which I'm literally looking at as we speak, I will be tremendously surprised. Yeah. So that's going to, I'm going to post that on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram, and all that good stuff. Give us a follow at Orange and Backcheck Podcast. We're right there. First click. Give us a follow. Give us a like. All that great stuff. If you have an email for us, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Uh, I got to bake this bread. You guys have a great week. For Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. Have a good one. Bread, bacon, Billy. <laughs>